Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Enjoy today's message. Hi, everybody. Are you ready for the Bible today? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 says this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray. God, I praise you and I honor you today. Lord, let your word speak to every person listening and watching today. I thank you for your ability to take your scripture by your Holy Spirit, make it alive and living and applicable right where we are today. And I pray for the empowerment and a leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. It's such a privilege, but Lord, let what's in your heart be imparted today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're in our fourth and final message of this series called Take Ten, where we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. And today, we're going to look at the last half of the Ten Commandments. So let's dig into it. Now, the plan for today is that I'm going to read these last five commandments in Exodus 20. Then I'm going to take a brief moment with each one of them and, um, and share with you the why for each of these commandments. And after that, we'll step back. We're just going to look at the big picture, the larger lesson, and really the larger revelation that God is trying to show us through the Ten Commandments in his history of working with his people. And it's going to point us to his plan of redemption. So let's start with Exodus 20, verses 13 through 17. It says, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give testimony, false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So when we read those, there's really no surprises there, right? And again, I'm going to briefly cover each one of those. You know, an immature view of the commandments is to look at them as simply a list of cannots. Can't do this, can't do that, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But really a mature view of the Ten Commandments, it looks to the why. So why does God set these commandments in order? And you see, when we see the why, we understand God's heart and we understand God's nature. And so... The last five commandments, the ones that I just read to you, they're all about how we treat others. And better put, it's about our heart towards others. Jesus summarized it in the scripture I just read to you where he says to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, God loves people and he is calling us to love people. And as his worshipers, as his followers, we want to reflect God's values and his nature. So here we go. Let's jump right in. The first one, you shall not murder. You know, whether it's for gain or for vengeance or for justice, when, mur- when we murder, we are taking matters into our own hands. And I'm going I'm to talk to you today in terms of you and I. Sometimes we talk in terms of they, but we need to personalize the Ten Commandments because of the, the way they impact our own lives, right? So when murder happens, it's when we take justice or vengeance or anything like that into our own hands. And the fact is, taking a life is permanent. 
It, murder is, is taking authority over their ability to live in this life. And, um, you know, we didn't give people life. God did. And frankly, you and I don't want to have the authority to take a person's life. Murder is when we take God's authority over someone else's life and we personally say, I am taking your life. And frankly, we don't want to even have that in our hearts. We don't want to take that authority. We want that to be with God alone. Next one, you shall not commit adultery. You know, of course, adultery is when someone, when we sleep with another person's spouse. Um, when that happens, we are breaking someone else's marriage covenant. And if you're married, or if I'm married, of course, I would be breaking my own marriage covenant as well. Um, we are breaking their trust. And the fact is that, you know, sex unifies people. It's a physical and emotional and spiritual, like it is the most intimate thing that two people can have. And we, when we have sex, we are unifying one with another person. And the fact is, is, you know, in adultery, we are unifying ourselves with someone else's spouse. And sex is a gift from God. It is, it's meant to be the safest place for the greatest um, human intimacy. It's to be defended, not violated. And can I tell you that as I'm preaching and sharing this with you right now, literally there's a storm over my head going boom. So I feel like the austerity of the Lord coming as I'm even preaching it. Let me read to you um, Proverbs six twenty-seven through 29 because I feel like it, it describes the consequence of adultery really well. It says, can a man scoop fire into his lap? Without being burned, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. I love the clarity of that kind of thing because I think it just puts the the right kind of the healthy kind of fear in us. It says this is not an area to be violated. Right? The lies that we tell ourselves and the lies that the enemy will tell us in this area is that. If the two who are having sex are willing, well, then it's okay. It's just a lie. Violating someone's covenant, violating your own covenant is never okay. Um, Another lie that the enemy will say is, well, if the marriage is bad, then it's okay. No. If a marriage is in place, a marriage is in place. It's just not okay. Let's move on to the next one. The next one is you shall not steal. (laughs) This is pretty simple and straightforward, right? It's, It's not ours. Right? It's not yours. It's not mine. So we should not take someone else's things. It's there and it's to be respect. It's theirs and it's to be respected that it is theirs. Our standard as believers rises even to the, to the point where, um, if the thing that we are taking belongs to somebody that we cannot see, maybe a company or to the government, if it's not yours, it's not yours, right? And that we, we should not take it because that's stealing. Next one. You, should not, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. When we give false testimony against our neighbor, that's like stealing someone else's reputation. It's stealing their truth. We are putting a lie on someone else. And you know, putting a lie on someone else is what the devil does, Right? He's lying and accusing about us all the time. And we do not want to participate in his business. Next, you shall not covet 
your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or his F-150 or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Um, This idea of coveting, when you look into the original language in Hebrew, it gives you this idea of uh, coveting is like this pressing desire, like you are driven to have something that is not yours. See, what happens is when we covet, we are in essence creating an idol because our desire for something else, our desire for a possession has taken our eyes off of God, who is our provider. You know, for the things that we need and even desire or want, we should be looking to God as our provider, not our neighbor to take from. Right. And so um, God is the one who has all that you need. And he has no problem blessing you, but we have to look at him as our source, not this drive or passion to take someone else's things. Now, I want to give you a reminder that these commandments, they represent the nature of God. They tell us something about his heart, which is he does not want us to harm our neighbor. And, you know, from a practical standpoint, can you imagine if you and I lived in a world where people didn't steal? Can you imagine if we lived in a world where we always spoke truth about our our neighbor and that we never misrepresented our neighbor, how much more just our society would be? Can you imagine if adultery didn't exist in our society, like the amount of pain that families would be spared? Like it totally makes sense when you consider God's nature and the things that he's saying not to do, the harm that they create. Like this isn't rocket science. This is really straightforward. And he is looking for us to love one another, right? Now, I told you I wanted to step back and look at the big picture. I want to look at the big picture with the Ten Commandments because God has a reason for the Ten Commandments and the law in the Old Testament. First is what we just talked about. He wants to reveal his nature as a loving God who wants to have a relationship with us. Second, he wants to actually reveal the problem of sin that's living in our hearts. That we have this natural desire to sin. And that desire to sin, it's already down in there, right? And third, and catch this, he wants to help us as we look at the history and we look at the Bible and we look at people's struggle to obey. He wants to reveal to us that we don't actually have the power to be good people and to be without sin, not on our own. Now, you could say, well, why would God give a rule or give law that we were unable to do? Is he trying to demoralize us? He's actually not. He's not trying to demoralize us or frustrate us. He's trying to show us that we need a savior. He's trying to show us that in ourselves, we can't actually be good enough. Enter Jesus. Enter. He gave his one and only son. You see, we needed Jesus. Not I say we needed. We need Jesus. Not only to pay for our sins as he did on the cross. But we need him to help us by giving us the power over our sinful nature. Jesus, you see, he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can, through the Holy Spirit, no longer have to sin. 
Um, I've told this story over the years a few times where um, Abigail, when she was really little, came to me and she was having a problem with something that she was trying to stop doing. She was really little and she couldn't stop doing. And I remember in interacting with her that, that night, I think it was, I remember going, man, this is the gospel. Like she is so frustrated with herself because there is something wrong that she's doing and she can't stop herself from doing it. And I just said, honey, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to not only forgive you of your sin, but you have to go to him and say, I can't stop on my own. I can't be good enough on my own. I need your help to not sin. And I need the gift of your righteousness, Jesus, in my life. And I just remember just seeing the gospel so purely when she was little that way. And we all have that problem. We all need God's help when it comes to our desire to do the right thing as we're following after Christ. Romans 8 describes this so perfectly. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, gives us life to set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. That's what I'm talking about, right? The Ten Commandments were given. It helped us see that we cannot um, be good all on our own. It's weakened by the fact that we have this flesh that undermines God's perfect law. So, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us. You might want to talk about this in your life group. There's so much meat in here. Uh, You talk about it this week. We do not live according to the flesh or that carnal nature, but according to the Spirit. You see, God needed us to see that we can't, that we don't have the power to be good on our own. But that didn't stop God. He sent Jesus to take our sin upon him. And if you have given your life to God, he has given you his Holy Spirit. He has given you his Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why is so that you can be empowered to rule over that sinful nature, those desires that say, I want my, bro- um, my, my brother or sisters this or that, or I want to lie about this person, or any kind of, of sin like that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to say, I don't have to sin. I can, I can choose to follow after Christ, and he can empower me to not sin. So we walk by the power of the Spirit. Here's the key to this, though. The key to this is when we're following God, it's not really meant to be a mindset of don't, 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 don't. We're actually following God with the empowerment of the Spirit, which produces the fruit of righteousness. And this scripture I'm about to read to you really summarizes this. And this is really key, because for some of us, our faith has been boiled down to, can I be good enough for God? I want to tell you today, you were never good enough for God. God, he gives you a gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't be good enough um, for God in your own effort. He puts it on you. Galatians chapter 5 that I'm going to read to you right now describes this battle. 
And it describes how if we will live by the Spirit, it will produce good fruit. We actually focus ourselves on God and following Him by His Spirit, and it produces good in us. And when that's happening, you're not looking at all the temptation. You're not focused on all the don't, don't, don't. You're so focused on the what is God calling me to be. Let me read it to you in Scripture because it really summarizes what I'm sharing with you today. Galatians 5.13 says this, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will destroy each other. In this scripture, it's saying that you are called to be free. He's actually saying you're called to be free from the covenant of the law, which has been fulfilled in Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you looked into Jeremiah 31 verse 33, Jeremiah describes this new covenant or this new contract or relationship that we have with God. It says that in in this new covenant, the law will be written on your hearts. You will just know the right way to go in God. You'll know his righteousness in your heart. So verse 16 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Did you all catch that? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify The desires of the flesh. You see, as we are filled with the Spirit, as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, and we're interacting and communing with God, He leads us. It's going to go deeper than that. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's this beautiful idea that, listen, when you are following after the Spirit, the desires and what you want aren't the things of the flesh. God wants to point us towards himself in a communion with him and following him. And when we're focused that way, we don't our, our temptation levels and our desire to do wrong significantly decreases. And when we are tempted, the Spirit empowers us to do the right thing. Let me let the scripture summarize itself. Verse 19 says this. The acts of the flesh, or the carnal nature, are obvious. It's going to sound like I'm reading the Ten Commandments to you. But this is in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I read that, I love how it opens up. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. God's trying to say, right and wrong is not complicated. It's obvious. Verse 22, and I love this. But the fruit of the Spirit. If I can say, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you, the fruit of following after God and being in communion with God is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ 
have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another. Y'all, if we focus on what it is to follow after God and allow His Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and be in communion with God, He naturally produces the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness. He naturally produces those things inside of us. It's when we take our eyes off of God and we allow our sinful nature to rule, then we live resisting all the things that are wrong and resisting temptation. I'm not saying that when we're following the Spirit, we never resist. I'm just saying that when you are, your eyes are focused on Him, there's a lot less tempting you than when your eyes are on what your flesh or your carnal nature desires. So we follow God by following His Holy Spirit, and it will produce fruit in us. And that's where I wanted to bring you with these Ten Commandments today, is they were very obvious, and yet God's people struggled to keep those commandments. God wasn't trying to demoralize them. He was trying to help us see that we in our own selves are not whole enough to be able to to do those, and that we needed grace. We needed forgiveness. We needed Jesus to give us a gift of righteousness and to fill us with his spirit to empower him to follow him. I hope that encourages you today. And maybe you're listening today and you've been resisting, resisting, resisting a sin. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. Bring it out into the open and just say, I'm battling this. Pray. Let them pray. Let you be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with his goodness and his righteousness and allow him to break the power of that thing. Maybe you're listening today and you say, you know, um, I need to know what it is to be filled with God's Spirit. I want to tell you that it's not a complicated thing. It's actually, he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit when we are born again. When we turn our lives over to him and we just say, God, I need you in my life. He not only forgives our sins, scripture says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And in God, it's like he forgets it himself. He is not looking to hold your sin over you. He's allowed his son Jesus to die on the cross so that your sin would not be held over you and so that your sin would not shame you the rest of your life. He is so good. He removes it from us. And God sends his Holy Spirit into your life. And he gives you a brand new life. And it, the Holy Spirit is... It's how we feel so close to God and we know that he's there and he knows that he's with us. Scripture says he's a, a deposit helping us know that there's an inheritance in heaven for us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to produce a fruit of the Spirit. And there's so, so much more. But if you're listening today and you go, I, I need to follow God. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I just want to encourage you, turn your life over to Jesus. Receive the gift of forgiveness that he has paid for on the cross and say, I want to follow you. I want to know what it is to follow you, God. And he will send his Holy Spirit into your life. If you're making that decision today, I just encourage you to pray a simple prayer. God, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with the Spirit and uh, help me to follow after you. He has has been pursuing you all your life and loves you so much. And if you are making that like 
amazing, life-altering, huge decision today, would you let me know about it? Go to victorychristian.church. Click on Next Steps and um, let us know about it because we want to rejoice with you and we want to walk with you. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, just go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.